Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, God. Thank you, Blair. Today, we are going to continue our sermon series um, that we're calling At the Table. And we are looking at different passages uh, in Scripture where Jesus gathers around tables and he teaches us about grace, shows us what authentic community is like, and he reveals himself who he is, the Son of God. Let's take a moment to pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you and, Lord, we thank you. We come with grateful hearts. Thank you for this morning, uh, for a time to just set aside the worries and the cares um, of this world, uh, to come and to quiet our hearts and our minds, to focus upon you. Uh, Lord, we pray now that your Holy Spirit would share and speak to each of our hearts the truth of the word that was just read, your living word. We pray this in Christ's holy name, amen. Have you ever planned for a a special dinner party, maybe small or large, that didn't necessarily go as you had planned? Maybe it's Thanksgiving, you're having some people over and maybe it's the meal or a conversation that breaks out around the table. Maybe it's that first you're planning a dinner party and it's having the in-laws come over and you aren't too sure what to expect of how this will go. Or maybe it's even a dinner party and you're having some coworkers come or maybe even a little more stressful, your boss is coming to your house for dinner and you aren't too sure what to expect. There was a a meal that um, 
Tara and I had, and we actually had it with two friends, Dave and Ann, that didn't quite go as expected, I think. Well, I know. So Tara and Ann, this was on Valentine's Day. We lived up in Boulder, Colorado. And so they were planning um, a special dinner for Dave and I. Well, Dave and I worked at a church together, and so we decided that we'd sneak out a little bit early, and we'd do some shopping and get them something nice for Valentine's Day. Now, we should have stayed to the traditional stuff, right? Candy's always a good one. Flowers, you can't go wrong. But we thought, let's be creative. What could we do that would just be, you know, communicate our love and just maybe someone else isn't doing? So we went to a pet store. And you would think, now, okay, well, hopefully they got like a really cute puppy. We didn't. We passed on the puppies. But what we did get is we walked out. I walked out with two finches, little birds, and he walked out with a parakeet. We had cages. We had everything. And we're like, they're kind of like lovebirds. What a great way to say I love you. And uh, we should have known right there that it wasn't. But so we leave with our birds. Then we're walking through the mall, and you go by the food court. And we're like, we're hungry. So we thought, well, let's just get something, you know, to tie us over for that long, what, 15-minute drive or whatever to Dave's house. So then we stop and eat, and we're just looking at our birds and how proud we are of these birds. And then we get to Dave's house, and we walk in, and we're just excited to show them. And they're looking just about like you are. (laughs) They weren't too excited about the birds, that we were late, um, the, the food had gotten cold, all of the above. It just didn't go how they expected. Well, in today's scripture, as Blair read for us this morning, Jesus has been invited to be a special guest, and he's the guest of honor at this meal. And the man who invited him, his name was Simon. He was a Pharisee. He was one of the religious elite. And so this dinner at his house is more like a formal banquet, And it's not only those who are invited, but there's also the servants are there. And if you can picture almost like a large courtyard outside, and they even at these banquets would allow the public to come. So there would just be people that are there kind of wondering, what is Simon going to serve? We've heard a lot about Jesus. What is this going to be like? And what's the conversation going to be like? You have this, this religious elite over here who, who live by the law and they preach the law and they teach the law. And then you have Jesus who seems to be doing things a different way. I wonder what this is gonna be like. And so they're there at the table, and unlike us where we would sit at the table, they're reclined and their legs are kicked out, and they're just kicked back here, and and they're probably having a conversation. Again, if you think about who's keeping company there, and maybe the the Pharisees are talking about the law and, and asking Jesus questions, maybe even trying to, to trap him, to see how he might respond. And while this is going on and and the commotion around them, this, what we're told, a sinful woman, this woman just kind of barges in and, and comes right to Jesus. And again, we're told that she lived a sinful life in the town, which probably leads to most scholars say that she was a prostitute. And she bursts into the scene. She goes to Jesus and her, her actions are shocking. She starts just weeping, just uncontrollably, so much that her tears are able to wash Jesus' feet. And, and then she lets her hair down and starts to dry his feet. And then we're told, kisses his feet and anoints his feet with perfume. 
And you can just almost imagine that the hosts are going, and everybody there going, what is going on? Talk about a dinner party not going as expected. Again, this woman, her actions, they're, they're dramatic. Another word would be to say is they're intimate. Again, she's kissing Jesus' feet, washing them. They're inappropriate. For a lady to let their hair down um, was that back in that time, it was disrespectful. It was also a sign of that maybe they've been divorced. And so here she is just letting it all down, not caring what other people think. And one thing that we don't pick up and that you can pick up in the Greek is that these words are, they're imperfect verbs, meaning she keeps on doing this. It's not like she just comes in and, and cries a little bit, quick wash, quick kiss, I'm out of here, right? Or they ask her to leave. She continues to do this, showing this amazing display of affection while Jesus and the Pharisee actually have a conversation about her. Now, even though Jesus was a guest at Simon's, notice it's her, the one that we call the sinner, that showed the hospitality. Jesus even says, you gave me no water to wash my feet, Simon, no welcome kiss. But she has done both of those and even more. And then we're told that uh, this woman, again, she was uninvited. She, she had this encounter she has was personal and passionate. And the perfume that she poured on would have come from an alabaster jar. And it would be a small jar that the women would wear around the neck. And, and for her, as a prostitute, she might put just a little dab on to make herself more pretty and more attractive. But what, for she, what she came to do this day was different she would actually probably have broken the jar. So it was useless after that and poured all the perfume. And it's not like us where we can go just go buy another jar of perfume. This perfume was probably a year's worth of wages. It was probably her most precious item. And she doesn't just lay it at Jesus' feet. She puts it on Jesus' feet. Simon, all who are there going, what is she thinking Her actions were saying to Jesus, Jesus, if you really are who you say you are, that's a game changer. That changes everything. And I have come without any conditions. And I want to follow you. And her life is transformed in front of this dinner party. Just takes your breath away. One of the greatest joys for Mark and I, and I believe for any Christian, is when you get to see a life that is transformed. It's interesting today, I got here a little bit early this morning, and as I was walking up, there's a gentleman, an older gentleman that was taking a walk through the parking lot. And he introduced himself, his name was Mike. And we started talking, and he started telling me about the Weaver family that lived here. He goes, I used to come when this was just a barn, and there was donkeys and things in here. And he walked in, and we're looking around, and he goes, this place is just transformed from what he remembered. It was completely different. And this is what we're seeing here again. Someone's life that is transformed is when maybe you know someone, a family person, a family member or a friend, um, someone who's been broken, who's been wounded, maybe just self-consumed. Maybe it's with, with 
power or money or sex or alcohol or drugs or whatever it might be, depression, whatever it could be. And they've encountered Jesus and they've received the free gift of grace. And they are a totally different person from the inside out. That's the kind of transformation that's taking place in this woman's heart. Now, when you start saying, maybe you're saying, well, I'd like to find out a little bit more um, about Jesus, a little bit more about Christianity. I can remember when I was in college and living in my fraternity, and um, I just, you know, I had a lot of the guys that come up, and they'd say, just that. I want to find out a little bit more. And in a sense, when they do that, they can either approach it the way Simon did or the way this, this, this woman approaches him. In a way, Simon does it. He says, I'm interested in Jesus, but I don't want to change my views or, or um, my ways, kind of my habits. I would like to know about Jesus, but under my conditions. I want peace and blessings, but I don't want change. I even had a couple guys say, I kind of like who I am. You know, and this other stuff was just kind of part of me. Will that change? Pastor John Ortberg, and I think the quote will be up here. In his book, The Secret of Loving of a Loving Heart, he writes this about this encounter. He says, there is a great sin defiling this room, but it is not the sin Simon thinks. It is the sin of lips that won't kiss, knees that won't bend, eyes that will not weep, hands that will not serve, perfume that will never leave the jar. It is the sin of a heart that will not break, a life that will not change, a soul that will not love. You know, as we look at this encounter of the sinful woman, I believe it is one of the most beautiful pictures in Scripture to show us what true worship is about. And if I'm honest with you, and I look at my own worship, I find myself a lot more like Simon. I find myself more reserved, holding back. Maybe I'm concerned about what others will think if I raise my hands or if I were to fall down. Or what if I were to just start crying during a song? What would they think? But while I'm probably more like Simon, I'll tell you who I want to be more like. I want to be more like this woman. This woman who comes before Jesus with just a reckless abandon and a humility and just gratitude that is flowing from her heart that moves her to tears. She is in a posture of worship and she lays the most important thing in her life down in front of him. And it all flowed from a changed heart. Can you think of a time or have you ever worshiped like that? And what holds us back from doing it? From just worshiping God. One aspect of the story that intrigues me is that is how unsurprised Jesus appears to be at the woman's behavior. Everybody else is really surprised. Like, you know, the parents are like, don't you know who's here? What is she doing? All that. He seems to just go with the flow. And, and notice in verse 47 that Jesus seems to refer to her forgiveness of sins, and he does so in the past tense. 
Her sins, which were many, Jesus says, have been forgiven. In other words, at some other point, in some other episode, in some other encounter that Luke has, does not record for us, Jesus and this woman have met. He already knows her story. And he had already forgiven her. And then Jesus turns to Simon and he shares this little parable. It's an amazing parable. Two men owed money. Notice that they both owed money. And you see here, it doesn't matter what the debt is because neither of them had it what they could to pay it off. It doesn't matter how bad my life is or your life might have been. Or you might think it is. You, there's no one that can pay, whether it's $50 or you think it's 500 And Simon, he lived a very moral life. He lived a respected life. He, he was one that obeyed and, and upheld the Jewish law. So I can imagine that as Jesus is telling him, he's like, yeah, my sin and my death is just a small one. It's this woman, this woman who had lived a broken and just a messed up life, one of just hurt and pain. But you know what Jesus is saying here is that it doesn't matter. He's saying they're both lost, both in debt, and Jesus is saying to Simon through this parable, because, Simon, you don't see your need. You do not see that you cannot pay and that you are as lost as she is. It doesn't matter how apparent the sin is in her life or that she's known as the sinful woman. Simon, when it comes down to it, you're really no different. What Simon doesn't realize, but the woman does, is the cost Salvation here is seen as the forgiveness of a debt. And the forgiveness of a debt, when you think about it, means that someone is always going to have to pay, right? So either the debtor who owes it is going to have to pay it, or the creditor, if he doesn't get paid, is going to have to pay it. And back then, when you owed a debt, you had two options if you couldn't pay it. One was you would go and you would work for that person and you would, in a sense, be their slave until you paid off your debt. The other option is to give your life in payment for that debt. I don't know about you, if you have ever um, had a financial debt of any amount forgiven, but we have. And let me tell you the feeling when that happens. It is an incredible feeling. It is just this free feeling. This huge weight has been taken off you. And your heart just swells with gratitude. You're filled with joy. And it's all in the response to a financial debt that is temporary has been taken off. But what Jesus is saying here is that for anyone to know God, to be in a relation with him, relationship with him, Jesus has to pay the debt for our sin. He is the only one who can. You can't. In Romans chapter five, verse 20, the apostle Paul writes this. God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't say, until you get your life in order, then I will, because we never can get it in order enough. But he died for us in our sin. He paid the debt for us with his life. Back to the story. 
Jesus then says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests begin saying to themselves, who is this that he can say that he can forgive sins? For the Pharisees and, and indeed for all the Jews, their understanding was that only God could forgive sins. So Jesus' words would be considered blasphemous. It's the equivalent of um, saying that he himself is equal with God. Simon, you remember, wondered earlier, how could Jesus even be a prophet? But now he's discovering that Jesus is claiming to be even more than a prophet. And the last words that Jesus says to this woman is, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The basis for this woman's gratitude, again, is the forgiveness that she has already received. You see, the actions that we see displayed, the tears, the hair drying the feet, the kissing the feet, the anointing with oil, her perfume, those are a response for her forgiveness. It wasn't an effort to earn it from Jesus. And that gets to the heart and the nature of what grace is. You cannot earn it. You can only simply receive it. And at some point, again, through an encounter she had, she had come into this grace, this undeserved, unmerited favor of God. And it's unexpected. And then it, what comes with it is this unreasonable forgiveness. Think about this woman. She was known not for her name. She was known for her past. Would any of us want to be that? Known for our mistakes, known for ways we have fallen short, known for ways that we have done things that we wish we had never have done. Would that be what we want to be known for? But look at this, what happens with forgiveness. Her past no longer defines who she is. The love of Jesus does. Alan Scott puts it this way. I love this quote. He says, the beauty of grace is that it creates a space where people who have a past can have a future. Because of Jesus, this woman who was known for her past now has a future. Tony Campolo, while he was serving as a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, tells of a time in one of his classes where he had a, a Jewish, one of his Jewish students stood up and he said, you know what, Jesus never did meet a prostitute. And so Campolo was like, what did you just say? How many, you know, starts opening scripture and he goes, I'm gonna show you exactly where he is. And he's probably looking for, you know, just this story and the encounter that we've talked about. And again, the student says, Dr. Campolo, Jesus never met a prostitute. And then he's pulling the scriptures out. He's showing them. And now the student is actually getting a little irritated with the professor. Maybe you've been in that situation before. Probably not a good place to be. But he's getting irritated with the, the, the professor. And he says, listen, I'm saying that Jesus never met a prostitute. Do you think that when he looked at the woman who washed his feet with tears and poured perfume out on them, that he saw her as a prostitute? Doctor, listen, Jesus never met a prostitute. 
When Jesus looked at such women, he didn't see their sin. He saw them for who they truly are. Friends, when we humble ourselves at the feet of Jesus, when we acknowledge our sin and our emptiness, Jesus said that he'll take away that, that film and that filth of sin and that he will remake us new, that we will be new creations, what God has intended for us. So this unknown woman, she's no longer known just as a sinner. She is now known as a sinner who's been saved by grace. Maybe there's some of you here today that are just living with just a heavy sense of guilt and shame that just seems to overshadow everything in your life and you can't shake it. I pray that you'll hear this. God's grace is and always will be greater than any guilt or shame that you might be experiencing. Erwin Lutzer put it this way, there is more grace in God's heart than there is sin in your life. So what we have here, we have two people wanting to meet Jesus. They were both serious seekers. Simon approaches it more in an intellectual way, in an impersonal way, more detached. Why this woman approaches Jesus in a personal way. She's seeking a relationship. And Jesus now had just as much compassion and love for Simon. But we see that Simon is looking for something different and that he responds differently. But Jesus made it clear, and this is one thing he did, is that it was all a matter of the heart. The heart was most important. And you know, for someone who, and maybe this is you, for someone who thinks about things intellectually and, and we, we want to do that, we want to approach the Bible with not only our hearts but our minds. But sometimes when we get just up in our minds, I don't know if you've heard it said, but like the longest distance is the 12 inches from your mind to your heart. Mark and I, our hope and our prayer is that you'll see that at the heart of the vine is just like what we saw in this, this encounter with Jesus, that everyone is welcome and that we want you to come as you are, that you are loved by the God of the universe. But know this too, he loves you too much to stay there knowing that if you encounter God, you, Jesus, you can't stay there. I mean, look at the woman. She couldn't stay there. She, she is full of gratitude and worship when she encountered Jesus at the table. And so I want to ask you this question. Who do you say Jesus is that he can forgive sins? Because Jesus is standing at the door of your heart knocking what will you do with it?